Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. It's that time. Yes, indeed. It's time for another episode of Shark Bite Biz. Once again, I'm your host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during a global pandemic. First, I've got to apologize for my voice. Oh, man, I am such a huge football fan. I love my Philadelphia Eagles so much. I don't know if you can see it, but you can probably see my back wall right there. I don't know if you saw this past Sunday, but the Eagles actually tied. I yelled a little bit too much. I got a little bit too overexcited. And here we are a couple days later, and I still can't talk from it. So I apologize for the voice, but bear with me because that interview actually was recorded before the game happened, so my voice was fully intact. The previous episode, we discussed the personal and business finance topics with my good pal Danny Lee, and that was a milestone episode marker. I mean, that was episode 25. Now we're kicking off the next 25 with episode 26, and we're going to cover the other types of financial matters. So what does that mean? Well, the saying goes something like there's, what, two things that are certain in life, death and taxes? Well, I'm not dying, so we're going to be chatting about taxes. Seriously, though, who does not love a great conversation about paying the government more of your money? right? This topic is so confusing for so many people, especially with the current situation. And then you compound that with things like the Supreme Court's Wayfair ruling that came out maybe two years ago and wowzers, okay? There's not enough Excedrin, not a sponsor, in the world to deal with the migraine that you're about to get. So today's guest gets it. He's been helping small to mid-sized businesses for many, many years, making their tax life much more simplified and digitally transformed. Can you believe it, that you can actually digitally transform and automate taxes? Crazy, huh? But it's true. So let's talk about today's guest, John Regan of Avalara. As a technology solution advocate, John has worked with some very well-known firms, including Toshiba, Infinity, and CBS. Now, with Avalara, John helps companies navigate the extremely complex world of sales tax compliance. John and Avalara help companies to get compliance done right so that negative audits can be avoided. Due to the economic downturn, audit preparedness has taken on a greater importance. In fact, every business owner should be aware of how their tax compliance obligations and risks are rapidly changing. It's time for me with this raspity voice to shut up. Let's just bring John on in here. 
Business Strategy. Hey, John. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. So glad to have you here. David, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem anytime. So obviously, I know who you are, but I assume many of our listeners out there don't know who you are. Can you do us a favor real quick? Just tell us, you know, your background, your experience. Who is John Regan? Oh, great, David. Thanks. And I appreciate everyone joining us today. As for me, I've worked in the business of making business better, really, over the course of my career. Um, I was employed by Toshiba, Infinity, the car maker, uh, CBS Interactive. The one thing that's been consistent throughout my career is that I tried to help companies become more efficient uh, to adopt new technology. And now I work for a company called Avalara. You probably haven't heard of it, but you probably used Avalara's technology today in one way or another. We'll get into that. Um, but uh, Avalara has to do with sales tax compliance. It's an often overlooked process within a company, but every company is required to be compliant with sales tax. You either have Oh, I to- know everybody, everybody out here loves tax. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So you have me on this webcast, and I really appreciate being here. But I got to tell you, I think your last webcast or re- previous one was done with Jack Douglas, producer for Aerosmith. You know, a rock and roll. <laughs> and now you've got a tax guy talking to your audience. Okay. So how am I supposed to follow that up? You know, I'm a tech geek. <laughs> oh, I know. It, it, it definitely, I mean, when you have somebody that produced some of Aerosmith's biggest hits, they produce songs like Imagine worked with John Lennon up to his passing and all the other great stuff that Jack actually did. It's hard shoes to fill, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to bring an awesome dynamic to this interview and people will love it. Okay, I appreciate it. We'll rock and roll the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make tax fun. (laughs) So why don't you tell me? Let's start off at the top, you know? What ends up making sales tax a big deal in the first place? Well, here's the issue. Trying to get it right, trying to be compliant sales tax-wise in your business in the U.S. is really hard to do. And that's because of how we were founded. We're founded on states' rights. So each state, since we started, uh, has the right to enact tax rules and rates of its own choosing. Every state, therefore, came up with something different tax-wise. And for a company, uh, your business, for example, in the accounting department, it's really difficult to keep up with. You know, we're not like the EU where there's only one VAT or value-added tax. I mean, if your company's selling in all 50 states and you're doing compliance manually, check out these stats. You you need to keep up with over 12,000 tax jurisdictions. That's where the tax rates come from. There are 35,000 tax rates. At any one time, 20% of those rates or rules are changed. It's a nightmare to keep up with. There's so many exemptions for products or services, millions of them. So it's really complex trying to get it all done right. That's the, the problem. Wayfair ruling actually made that a lot more complicated, correct? Yeah, it sure did. So your company's doing business and it's selling into other states. And those state governments want tax revenue. That's what gives them the funding to, to fund the schools, the programs, the buildings, the highways, everything that they need to spend money on. So prior to this Supreme Court ruling, um, South Dakota versus Wayfair, a company's obligation to collect and remit sales tax on their sales into a, a state was based on where that company had a physical presence. Like if your company had maybe headquarters in California, a warehouse in Texas, offices in New York, you only had obligation to those states 
You only had people or products or buildings in those three states. Well, what happened in South Dakota versus Wayfair was South Dakota saw Wayfair come into their state. South Dakota is a, a re relatively poor state to begin with. Not a lot of money uh, coming into their coffers. But they saw Wayfair come into the state with a huge marketing campaign. And uh, Wayfair was making a great deal of revenue from the people of South Dakota. But because Wayfair didn't have a physical presence in South Dakota, it didn't have to send any sales tax revenue to South Dakota. So in essence, they were getting a lot of business from South Dakota with scot-free, tax-free. So right. it went through the courts. Uh, South Dakota had an issue with it. And we were quite surprised that in Valera that it went all the way to the Supreme Court and they decided in favor of South Dakota. So they, they came up with a whole new set of rules. That's what Wayfair is all about. It's a whole new um, uh, dynamic as far as what determines where you have an obligation to. I, I honestly thought that the, that whole thing was pretty crazy. I remember the good old days. You'd buy something off Amazon or wherever, and maybe the product was the same price as what you were paying for it at Best Buy, but it was still going to be cheaper than Best Buy because you weren't paying that sales tax if you got it from Amazon up until, Cal I know California was, I guess you could say ahead of the curve and, and really started forcing companies to charge taxes before the Supreme Court ruling. But I, I was pretty pretty surprised that they actually enacted that nationally and made it very complicated for small businesses to be able to sell across state lines. Yeah, when you think about the impact of the way it was on brick and mortar businesses. Now, for example, mm -hmm. I, I was sitting at a happy hour one day, as I am, I often do, uh, but <laughs> I, I enjoy that. But um, I was sitting next to a guy and I, I explained what I did for a living and we got into an interesting conversation. He ran a brick and mortar shop selling high-end photographic equipment. And there's a customer that came into his door looking at a, a, a $10,000 camera. Uh, and so the proprietor walked him through the different options available, the different makes and models. They finally narrowed it down to one. The guy came in to make a purchase. And so the proprietor of the shop started filling out the invoice and he got to the tax line. There's about $800 worth of tax there. And the customer said, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can order the same thing online and, uh, and I don't have this tax. I, I'm not going to spend $800 on tax when I can get it for free without tax online. Right. And so we lost a little of that. So that's kind of an example of the world that the brick and mortars had to deal with until this ruling. Now the playing field has been leveled, so to speak. Uh, the, what causes a company to have a sales tax obligation, or that's referred to as nexus, is how much business it does in that state. Business By business, I mean how much business. It, it's uh, determined by the number of transactions and the total revenue in the past year that you've sold in the state. What's crazy and is- Every company, to clarify though too, if they're doing business in a state, every company does have to be sales tax compliant in that state. The levels of what you're saying, it sounds like it, it varies for each state, right? It does. It's a, like I said, it, it, you know, the top of our talk, um, we're based on states' rights. So now we have right. a whole new rules that came out from the, the Supreme Court. Um, so every state has different, what's called economic nexus thresholds. Uh, for example, like if you're selling into Georgia, you don't have to collect an agreement sales tax to Georgia until you get to $250,000 or more in sales in the prior 12 months. But um, in other states, it's different. In Alabama, it's like $100,000. Um, so it, those thresholds vary from state to state. It takes that already burdensome compliance process that I was talking about. It makes it even more difficult.
to keep track of when you're crossing these thresholds, you know? And how do people track crossing those thresholds then? You have to, if you're, if, uh-huh. if you're a small yeah. seller, if you're a small seller that does business nationally, but maybe you only have four or five employees and you sell, I don't know, a niche product, let's say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be a nightmare to track manually, right? It, it is. Uh, you have to keep a pretty extensive spreadsheet and you have to track where your sales in, are coming in from all of your different sales channels, like your brick and mortar, your e-commerce, uh, mm-hmm. your point of sale, uh, your ERP. So you have to keep track of all them and keep them um, or cumul- accumulate them to see if you're going to cross any of those thresholds for a state or you can automate the process. And that's what Avalara helps with. And you can be warned when you're approaching an economic nexus thresholds so you don't get in trouble by crossing it and then having to go to the state and, and saying, oops, I made a mistake. You know? So you actually warn them so that way they could stay under that threshold if they want to. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they, they don't usually um, stay under it. They usually, when you see it coming, like um, Avalara presents a map of the United States with the states color-coded. Uh, so if you have an orange state, um, that means it's approaching red. It's sort of like a stoplight. Um, mm-hmm. That means that um, you're nearing that threshold and you need to start thinking about what you're going to do about it. So you have to, then your tax strategy comes into play. Um, are you going to register in that state um, or are you not? Uh, what's interesting about compliance in this country is that, yes, all companies are required to be compliant. It's a statutory requirement, really big words, statutory requirements mm-hmm. sound very, very powerful. But in reality, companies don't necessarily treat it that way because it's so difficult to comply, like I've been saying. Um, so reality is interesting. Um, companies treat sales tax in one of three ways. They either fight it or they, they are compliant or they take the ostrich approach and kind of shove their head in the sand and hope they don't get audited. So some firms <laughs> would strive to be on the right side of the law. Others are okay with a certain amount of risk and a few others operate at risk and they, they take their chance. So if you let, let me just make sure I understand this correctly, if you're going to be under a certain threshold, then you don't have to charge sales tax to that person, uh, to depending that, on the state. Yeah, if you're under the threshold, that means you're not obligated to uh, pay a certain percentage of your sales into that state to that state. Okay, so, okay. But should the company still be charging sales tax then to say, I don't know, give me one of the limits uh, that you just said. I think it was 100000 for one of the that's, states. That's the most common limit is 100000 Okay. So let's just say I own mom and pop store and I'm going to sell to North Dakota. Okay. I'm only going to do one sale because of the product that I sell. It's 40000 Okay. That's it. I'm going to be under that $100,000 mark. Should I then still be charging sales tax or is that sale sales tax exempt? How does that kind of work? As long as you don't have Nexus or that sales tax obligation, then you don't have to charge sales tax on that. Okay. Okay. Now, what if I would hit that Nexus and I didn't charge people sales tax? Uh, for the previous, is that something where that you're losing a percentage because you cross the nexus? Well, because you happens, have to pay it in. What happens there is you've crossed that threshold, and so you have to decide: Am I going to register in that state or not? Before you answer that question, you should ask the question: How long have I, or what? How how long have I been doing this? How indebted am I into that state? 
Right. Because if you register in the state without looking at what your risk is, um, the word I'm looking I'm looking for is your exposure. Right. Then you could be doing yourself a disservice because once you've identified yourself and you've registered with the state, you, you lose negotiating room. Um, the state will say, oh, okay, yeah, you did pass our threshold. And you know what? You've actually had nexus with us for one reason or another for the past five years and you, us, you owe us six figures. And that's not a situation you want to be in. So you right. can... That's one of the things you want to do in preparing a strategy for tax is to look at where your exposure is, decide what you're going to do about it. If, if you need a representation to represent you to the state and uh, to tell the state, I have a company here, Avalara can pro provide this service. Uh, you can tell the state, I have a company that wants to register with you. Um, they have $200,000 in exposure. How about we make a deal where they will pay 40000 in exchange for you knowing about them and, and registering? And, and you can, so you can work that sort of deal with more power behind you before you register. So there's a whole okay. different you have, you can have by state by state. Okay. But still it's state by state and there's 50 states. So <laughs> it's still a lot to do regardless. So give me some examples then besides what we've already talked about of how all these new tax rules are really going to impact businesses. Sure. Say so, um, a lot of businesses. Because of the COVID-19 and the economic downturn, they're looking at different ways where they can get revenue. So a lot of businesses are, are turning to an e-commerce channel and they're ramping that up. So and e-commerce is just exploding. It's not a, it's like oh, a yeah. way of shopping. Um, so when you do that, uh, you're no longer selling it out of your brick and mortar. You're selling in your, in your three or four states. You're selling into every state. And right. you're starting to cross, cross these new economic nexus thresholds. So what we see, and this number is pretty shocking if you're an accountant and you have to deal with this process, but what we see is that yeah. a company's sales tax obligations or nexus increase by six to nine times when they take on an e-commerce channel. So what that means is this poor person in accounting who's dealing with this burdensome process and not getting it right now has that process. That process has become exponentially more difficult to do. Six to nine times more difficult to do. Wow! So that creates a decision point, usually for the controller or CFO, and they say, "Geez, we weren't doing it right to begin with. And now there's no way in the world we keep up with this." So it's time to automate the process. Now another example would be uh, with B two B sellers or. The, or Sellers that are selling tax exempt. A right, lot of time right. they, they look at the Supreme Court ruling and they say, oh, that applies to taxable sellers. Doesn't apply to me. But that's not the case. Actually, in over half the states, those economic threat nexus thresholds include both taxable and non taxable sales. So wow. what happens is that the non taxable seller, the B2B seller, actually triggers nexus for their B2B sales, and while they wouldn't be required to collect and remit sales tax into new states, they'd be required right. to register in new states. So okay. what that means is they have to provide exemption certificates and keep them on file for all these new states. There could be 25 to 30 new states that they have to register in. There's a cost there. And there's uh, someone has to manage all that. And there's the exempt exemption certificates for all their, their customers in those new states. There are going to be thousands of new exemption certificates that the company has to keep on file. Wow. Now, they, they expire. Um, they can be the wrong form. There's a whole bunch of problems when you're trying to keep thousands of different legal documents like that on hand and up to date. And you're trying to do it manually. So that can be automated as well, a process that we can automate through Avalara. 
as well. So no, that's, it's, not, yeah. it's not just taxable sellers, it's tax exempt sellers that are affected by this. So let me ask you then, what is the probability of getting audited? Is there a real risk for a typical company? I mean, yeah. if I operate, I'm in Pennsylvania. If I operate in Pennsylvania, can California demand an audit of my books and my sales? If I'm not physically located there, if you're selling into California. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're seeing a lot more of is companies or states having offices in other states, state auditors having right. offices in other states. That sort of thing. There's a lot more sharing of information uh, between the states um, regarding taxpayers, companies. Okay. Uh, bottom line, you know, audits are just no fun. Uh, you, you know, you think about it. If you're in business, you have insurance um, for a catastrophic event like a fire or a flood, but uh, a catastrophic audit can bring the company to its knees. So why not automate that process and get rid of that risk? But bottom line, yeah, yeah there's a chance of an audit. Um, How would they find that? Let's just say I sp sell very expensive jewelry. I got $25,000 Rolex watches that I sell. And I just happened to sell five of them in California. I shipped all of them overnight with UPS, not even with the postal service, UPS, private shipping. Can California actually detect that I had shipments going? It, it, like, what would be the tip off there that could possibly cause the audit? Uh, good question. You know, I'm not a tax expert. I just play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and they're in podcast interviews, right? <laughs> So, but exact how they do that? I mean, there's a story about a mattress company. I think on the border of Washington, Oregon, and uh, an auditor was sitting at a coffee shop near the border, and the auditor saw this mattress truck, you know, the company truck delivering mattresses, crossing the bridge over the river that separated the two states. And he would always have his coffee, and every day he see this mattress truck crossing from one state to the other, and and he realized that in the state they're coming from, um, there wasn't sales tax being applied on the product. The state they're coming to, there is. So buyers, um, what they did, they were selling and they were saying, you don't have to pay sales tax when in this situation they really needed to. So there can be a physical way um, right. of catching it. Um, Another example, uh, an auditor walks into a coffee sh a shop. I don't know why coffee shops are the big topic here. But anyway, they, um, <laughs> he goes to the restroom and he notices in the back there are, there's shelves at the end of the hallway that the cups that people drink from, you know, still in the boxes and the bags, um, not being put into the workflow yet in the, in the, the restaurant. Um, as he's purchasing the coffee, about to sit down, he asks the proprietor, what are those cups for? And he says, well, some of them we provide to the employees so that they can have coffee on their break and most of them we use in, in selling the coffee and that's a gotcha right there because if they don't report yeah. the the use of those caught those those cups as what's called the use tax then there's right. a gotcha there's all over the place the biggest my gotcha father, my father huh? had a construction company when i was growing up for probably about 30 years and i re that's the one tax thing that i always remember him talking and complaining about was the use tax oh yeah to this day yeah. i don't even fully know what use tax is i probably should right what is oh, use tax for people that don't know give us a high a, level that's a that's a whole big topic that's a, one of the most confusing areas of, of of tax use tax and exemption certificates are two the, the two biggest gotchas so to speak for an auditor where an auditor will likely find errors use tax is yeah. a tax on the use of a product in construction for example 
um, the construction company will bring in um, the wood materials, the metal materials, the fasteners and all that and keep it in a yard. And then those materials are put to use in different projects and, and, and some of it becomes waste. So trying to keep track of, of the, the, the product that goes to waste uh, or is um, maybe in manufacturing is used as samples uh, for quality control reasons. That any product that's used up in the use of the business rather than on the sales side, that's where we get use tax involved. Okay. You're using a product that you're using internally rather than product that you're selling externally. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, too. I just had the kajibers scared out of me. I am petrified of spiders, and my three-year-old keeps putting little toy spiders on my desk, and I just nearly jumped out of the seat. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. But uh, one thing that I... I wanted to ask about is we've heard a couple times here about automation and obviously this show it, main focus of it is on digital transformation automation automating process flows workflows all that good stuff everybody out there knows i work erp with vision 33 avalara is actually one of our partners, but I know everybody out there isn't using SAP Business One. So what others, like, I mean, you work with most solutions that are out there, I assume. And, yeah. and with that then too, explain to us a little bit how your motive, motivate, how your automation actually works then too. Sure. Evlera has been around for about 16 years. We have about 30,000 customers now and um, over a hundred different uh, countries across the the globe. We have pre-built integrations or connectors into over 700 different ERPs, shopping carts, or point-of-sale systems. Uh, so we connect into everything from QuickBooks, you know, Sage, you, you name the different ERP products, shopping carts. So that and I know my bosses. I know my bosses at Vision won't be thrilled that I brought that up, but I brought it up for the Avalara point just because that shows a huge maturity and stability within the product because of the fact that it is a global standard as far as that stuff actually goes and that's what it connects to nearly everything yeah so that makes the implementation easier the rollout the whole rollout easier because that it's already been built let me put um, our, how it works in the perspective of, of you yeah. or me have you purchased anything lately gone into a store and purchased anything i purchase a lot of stuff everywhere uh -huh. i purchase things every day i am addicted to online shopping and this quarantine has only made it worse okay okay so <laughs> I, I totally, totally know what you mean. So let's, my point is, you probably used Avalara uh, today or yesterday in purchasing something and you probably didn't realize it. Um, the way, what Avalara does is because we're, we connected into so many different uh, software sources, when you're in the shopping cart to make that purchase and you are going through the purchasing process and there's a moment there when you, you you say go, we're making the purchase, you're confirming the purchase, and the computer goes out and gets the sales tax. That's where Avalara comes to play. That information about your purchase goes up to our cloud. We're um, a completely cloud-based company, software as a service. So um, it goes up and it knocks on the door to our flagship product up in the cloud. It's called Avatax. And the software, in essence, says, hey, Avatax, I have David down here for making a purchase. It's this particular product. 
from this location, he's shipping it to this location. Validate the address form. We want to make sure we have the right address. Uh, Avatax performs. So you do uh, the address validation as well. I guess that is, if you think about it, that is probably kind of important in order to confirm the tax because I know out there, like in California, I don't know how it is in Pennsylvania. I've only been out here for a little over a year. But I know in California, you have your state tax, but then you also have local sales tax that can be tacked on to the state sales tax. And buying in this Best Buy here or that Best Buy there, if it's a $1,000 product, I mean, it could be literally $20, $30 cheaper just because of that extra percent or two that that municipality might add on. Yeah, true. So that's the importance of finding exactly where this transaction is located. So once we validate that address, we know we have an, an accurate address. What we're actually doing is we're looking at the lo- longitude and latitude of that purchase. So we go right down to the rooftop because your wow. purchase across the street in some jurisdictions in the country could be a completely different set of tax rates. So we get right, right down to the rooftop. So now we've pinpointed which jurisdiction applies. There's over 12,000 jurisdictions across the country. So it's important to pick which one. So now you know um, all of those different tax rates that you, that you just mentioned. Does it um, work you, internationally? Sorry, I, I wanted to ask yeah, that there too. Yeah. yeah so if I'm selling into the UK or Europe, I believe they have uh, VAT, I believe it's called, right? Uh, it, it will uh, include the VAT into the purchases or if I'm doing someplace in Asia that we might have to do financial reporting, it works everywhere or is there limitations to what you do different countries are different you know canada's gst vet and europe's vat and uh, the more difficult countries to get this done is china brazil right. adding more and more capabilities internationally that's where our business is going uh so yeah yeah they, you know tax has been around since the egyptian time when they built the pyramids they <laughs> so getting back to this the transaction now that we know the jurisdiction oh, yeah. we know the tax we also know whether that product is taxable or not if it's not taxable then an exemption certificate is supposed to be on hand and so we can validate whether there is one on hand and whether it's it's valid or not so it can go down that road if it's a tax exempt purchase if it's a taxable purchase then since we know the jurisdiction and, and we can uh, pump down all of the the tax rates to your shopping cart. So that's how your tax gets to the shopping cart right there. So you'll never make a purchase again, again the same. You'll know on your receipt. You just ruined my you just ruined my online vintage shopping experience. Thanks, John. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just have two final quick questions as we start to wrap this up. This has been great so far. Very informative. Uh, as I've said, you have made tax fun, <laughs> about as fun as it can be. But Avalara, they have been in the news lately, right? What's going on with them? Yeah, we have. Um, we went public a couple of years ago, and our mar- market cap, I think, is like $10 million now. Uh, last year, yeah. Forbes named our stock AVLR as the stock, top, top stock for the year when I was looking at the top stocks of the, of the decade. So we're doing really good. And there's a reason for that. Um, the reason is due to technology and where we are right now. Uh, software as a service or cloud computing is now the de facto way businesses are, are moving. Everybody's moving digital. And when you, when you look at this process, of trying to, it's such a complicated error prone process. I mean, even even ten years ago, you really couldn't do what you what you're doing. Even if the technology existed, the states wouldn't have their systems online because I'm sure that you're able to connect the dots 
in 2020 more than what you could have any other time in the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's because of the adoption of digital, of yep. cloud computing. And so what that means is that poor person in accounting no longer has to keep track, track of 12,000 jurisdictions and 35,000 tax rates and $700,000, 700,000 uh, exemptions for this or that. All those rates and rules are up in the cloud now. That's the power right. of cloud computing. And so that person in accounting now can spend their time doing something that's more beneficial to the company. You know, that accountant right. is a highly, highly trained, talented person. So why have that person work on a, a process that can be defined as high risk, no reward? There is no revenue that comes into the company from doing sales tax compliance manually. So why not assign that accountant to maybe look at accounts receivable, tighten it up so you can have more cash on hand. How important would that be during a pandemic, right? Right. Or, or why not? have that accountant take a, a look uh, and determine from a financial perspective, whether it's a, a thumbs up or thumbs down for them to put a new product in a new market. That's a good use of accountant's time, not trying to keep the company compliant manually. So what I'm saying is this process, it's about time. It's, it, it's a process that um, like payroll in the eighties, that was a similar process, very tough to do. And if you did it wrong, you'd get in trouble. Right. Then ADP came to the market, said, why don't you outsource it? Now you'd be hard pressed to find a company that doesn't outsource the payroll process. Right. I mean, you can find, you can find payroll that you can set up essentially almost from an app now because it's been, I guess you could say simplified because of the cloud computing, the technology, yep. the digital transformation. And that's exactly where Avalara is. You're ahead of the curve with that. And that's why you're able to bring this power to market. Now, yep. You, yep. you just mentioned something really, really interesting that had a thought trigger in my mind. You meant, mentioned about, you know, the cash on hand during this global pandemic being important for uh, companies to have. Do you think because states are cash strapped because of the global pandemic and the shutdowns, the lack of revenue, do you think that'll probably lead into more audits? Yeah. Because they're going to be looking for every penny they can. That just makes sense. Yeah. I mean, as business starts to recover, the states are going to want to recover as well. They're in the, in total, they're in the biggest, um, they're swimming in the red like we've never seen before. By, uh, say, this time next year, the total state deficit will be over $300 billion. So yeah. they, they have they, they can't operate like that continually. So they're yeah. going to make some moves. So what we're, they're, we're likely to see is increased taxes. Um, we're likely to see taxes on things that didn't used to be taxed before, uh, like right. streaming, streaming services or any kind of service. That, that's service interesting. You, I, an article just published uh, over the last week about, I believe it was two towns down in Texas that are suing Netflix and Hulu because they are claiming that they are essentially, uh, I guess it won't be telecoms, but they, you know, they're providing utility service and therefore they must be taxed like utilities. And that is working through the state court system down in Texas, I believe right now. Yeah. You hear a lot more stories like that. They're, they're taxing things that didn't used to be taxed before. So yeah, it's um, crazy. It, it's just inevitable. Um, the states have to get well as as we get well, so that they can uh, continue to do the job that they're they're there to do for their constituents. So yeah, we're going to see you know higher taxes, taxes on new things, and we're going to see more audits. You, you, we expect to see uh, auditors knocking on more doors more often. That you can no longer claim. Well, that Wayfair ruling is new. I don't understand it. It's been two years now. The auditors yeah. aren't going to take that, that excuse anymore. What's interesting is, is 
there's going to be a collision here because half of the, of the SMBs, the small to medium-sized businesses out there, still yeah. haven't taken the ruling serious. They still haven't uh, adopted the changes that that, that ruling For anybody, for. anybody that works, and I keep referring to California. I don't mean to pick on California. Look, I lived in Tijuana for about 15 years, worked in California, then San Diego, then LA. I've spent most of my adult life out on the West Coast in California, some shape or form. But if you do business with California, you need to get right because the California Franchise Tax Board, oh, but you, that is one agency. They're harder to deal with than the IRS. You should yeah. read some of the horror stories that I'm reading on places like, like Forbes. Uh, about that. I, I just read an incredible story a week or two ago about how somebody signed a contract while they were in California that moved them out of state. But because they were, they signed that while in California, they are actually going after that, that money from that person. And that, that's crazy. Like some of the stories that I hear, and it's just something you don't want to mess with. It's easier yeah. just to get that compliance, especially with a tool like Avalara. Yeah. In Cal um, Texas, New York, they're aggressive as well. They have that reputation. I you just don't, yeah. Yeah. You just don't I, want I to think, get them. I think uh, New York, I can see that. I didn't think Texas would be that aggressive. I yeah. thought you liked. They are? Wow. But any state that has a lot of commerce going on. You know, you think yeah. about it. If California was its its own nation, I think it would have like the fifth largest economy in the world. That That's what they say. I wonder how true that's going to be. I mean, you have a lot of businesses that are being catered because of taxes, regulations to places like Texas. So I wonder how long that'll hold. But even with that, it seems like there's just so many people out there that one company leaves, another one sprouts up to take its place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a mecca for business. Always has been, always will be. Yeah, you know. yeah. So my question for you is what steps can a company take to get their ducks in a row if they're not doing anything? What what, what do you kind of recommend? Sure. Uh, the first thing to, to do is to know your nexus. Know you where you have tax obligations. Avalara can help with that, as well as if you have a SALT CPA, SALT stands for state and local tax expert. Um, you okay. can work with either of us. Um, yeah, you need to look into with these new rules, um, do you have past compliance issues? And if you do, you need to address them up front. Um, for example, if, if you you want to look to see uh, where you have exposure, get an exposure analysis done. Again, a SALT CPA can have, help with that or Avalara. Um, and then if you do, like I was saying, have exposure, you might want to consider a voluntary disclosure um, and do that maybe before you register in new states. Decide which states you want to register in. Just you have to be strategic. And again, about you guys, you guys at Avalara, you have professionals that will help you with that. Will help the companies with that. You'll hold their hands. You have people, or no? Yeah, uh, we can't give tax advice, but we can kind of okay. lay down the the what it, what the scenery looks like, and, and, it, okay. and then the make a decision. You know. And then given all that's going on and the fact that this is an, an inevitable solution, automating this process is inevitable, right. you have to think, well, why am I not on that bandwagon? Why, you know, within four years, there are going to be 
as many companies automating sales tax compliance as currently outsource payroll. So that's how fast right. it's growing. So you got to look at tax automation as a required capability in your business. And, and what happens if you don't do that? Well, it's not pretty. Um, you know, down the line, if you continually do this manually and you're not keeping up with the changes, the rules, the rates, the exemptions, what you end up with is an error plague, like black hole of tribal knowledge. What happens when the next pandemic comes? What happens when your, your, your ERP system needs to change? What happens when a, a key person who holds that tribal knowledge leaves? It's not a good situation. So without automating this, your audit risk is going to grow for every state you're selling into. Right, and, right. You know, and, and now that we are selling through all these different channels, uh, e-commerce, you've got your Amazon, the whole marketplace scene, mm -hmm. um, you know, point of sale. You need to be able to track all of your sales through all those different channels to see where you're triggering Nexus. Um, and that's, unless you have an automated way to, to do that, it's very difficult to do manually. That's where I think definitely an ERP solution like SAP Business One fits in nicely with a solution with uh, like Avalara, where you're able to see really all aspects of your business from A to Z. No, this is this is great. This has been wonderful, Judd. How do people get in touch with you? Huh. Um, uh, I'm sure you should share my uh, contact information, but John, yep, Regan, R E G A N, at Avalara. You're going to be bombarded with interview requests <laughs> after this hits. You're you're the most enthusiastic sales tax guy on this earth. I swear, John. At least the, the most enthusiastic one you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But Do you yeah, have any final yeah. final words of advice? Out sure, there? Yeah, I'm, my, my role is um, an alliance manager. So I'm responsible for the partnership between Avalara and your company, Vision 33. And like I said, I'm not technically a, a sales tax expert, but we have those, a lot of those. Um, and what I would do is get you in touch with the appropriate um, compliance consultant and uh, figure out where you are, figure out uh, uh, different options that you can look at and then help you to make the right decision for your company as it grows. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Once again, John, hey, thank you so much. This has been extremely informative. I hope I didn't throw too many curveball questions to you. And definitely, we look forward to having good. you back post-pandemic to kind of talk about how things change. Because I think with states struggling for cash flow, you're going to see a lot more things being taxed, like you said, a lot higher tax rates. And I'd love to kind of hear how things have changed between then and now. That sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks, yeah. David. I appreciate you being here. Oh, no problem. See you, John. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Wow. John is awesome. Seriously. I mean, he really makes talking about tax interesting, right? Uh, that was probably the most fun conversation I've probably have ever had about tax in my life. And a funny, funny story about John. And he'll probably hate me for sharing this. But, and I do this... For everybody, you know, when I'm scheduling somebody for an interview with Shark Bite Biz, what I do is I say, hey, 
do me a favor, give me some talking points so that way we can make sure that we hit on the key topics, you know, for the show. I mean, when bringing experts on here and there's certain areas that we want them to talk about so that way you all can learn from it. And I tell everybody, you know, give me those talking points. But remember, it's going to be an unstructured but yet structured conversation. We want guiding points to make sure we get that important info out. But what it's really like is that it's an unstructured flowing conversation. We're ultimately going to go where the conversation takes us. So John, gotta love him. You know, he essentially gave me an equivalent to like a PowerPoint, huge, huge document with not only every question littered out, but essentially every single answer in detail. (laughs) And I love John. And really, if you need help with taxes, that's the type of person you want working with your taxes because they think everything out. They're extremely detailed and, you know, very knowledgeable. So needless to say, you've all just watched the interview. We had a very unstructured uh, conversation and he was not reading from the manuscript. But uh, sorry, John, I just... (laughs) I had to tell that. It made me chuckle. I love it, man. You're amazing. Thanks for coming on. Now, on a serious note, okay, there was a lot of info packed into that episode. So I wanted to bring John on in here because I knew that a lot of companies transitioned to e-commerce that weren't doing so six months ago. That Wayfair ruling is insane and causing many headaches for a ton of companies out there. I, I I know, I know, I know. I knack in California being an ex-SoCaler myself. And I did that a little bit this episode. But they do have a notorious franchise tax board that really pushes the limits. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of them. Okay, that's just a flat out truth fact. You, I mean, fact check that. You do not want to be on the wrong side of them. Uh, And that's why I thought from a host of a business podcast that bringing somebody like John on can really help you kind of understand and figure a lot of that stuff out so that you can see if you have any liability in a state. Um, You know, and then in addition to that, what you could do to kind of digitally transform that liability so that you can make it as automated as possible. Me working in ERP, that's what I do. John with digital tax, essentially, that's what he does. Reach out to John. His info, being the contact, reach out to me. Uh, you know, if, if you need help digitally transforming whatever it is, reach out to me myself, David at sharkbitebiz.com, and I will make sure you get led into the right direction. Ultimately, though, with John and the whole tax situation, the end goal is two things. One, pay the least amount of tax as possible. Number two, avoid an audit. And it's really pretty crazy how in one state you can owe nothing and you sell five million in goods, but in another state you owe hundreds of thousands for selling less. As always, I hope that it gave you some insight into the tax world and how you can possibly better handle it going forward. So tell us, what's your experience been because of the Wayfair ruling? Are you new to e-commerce? Has that affected you? If it has, 
How have you handled it? If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment down below. Let's discuss this. I mean, this is a very mundane, but also very interesting topic to talk about. Let's get some ideas flowing. Remember, as always, if you love this video, please make sure you subscribe to the channel. We're fully dedicated in just getting out this top-notch quality content to help as many people as possible be able to grow professionally, be able to grow personally, and also be able to achieve business growth. And if you really want to help the channel, remember, check our Teespring store out. You can see it, the link down in the description. doesn't matter where you're watching. If you're on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, iTunes, you'll see the link. It's in bright red lettering, or it should be, and it's going to give you the link to our merch store, got some really awesome stuff just like this beautiful shark bite biz coffee mug we got face masks i have face masks that'll be coming this week I'll, I'll pop those out for videos next week but you can support the channel everything you do helps us with covering our basic costs it helps us it helps us produce a better show get better content and make and make the show the best we possibly can so i'm david strasser this is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.